It's good to be in his house, isn't it, church? And it's good this week to celebrate Christmas together with our families. And we're starting right here now, aren't we? This is our church family. And uh, in some ways, the, the human family can get a little offended, but, you know, the church family is the real family. And if your real family, your flesh and blood family is part of your church family, then that's even... Uh, even better, that's amazing as well to see them saved and see them coming to the kingdom. But Jesus really established who our real family was, right? They asked him, he said, your mother and your family's outside. And, and he said, this is my mother and these are my brothers and sisters right here at the church. So it's just good to be with family today. It's good to gather here. And I uh, just welcome you first of all, but I just wanted to say Merry Christmas to each of you. And Dawn and I love you very, very much, and it's been a great year. We still have one more uh, week of the year, but I uh, just wanted to even say it now that uh, the Lord is going to do great things. I'm not just giving you flat, flattery prophecy, but that the Lord's going to do great things in your life this coming year. He really wants us to believe Him and to trust Him and to lean on His Word like never before. I don't know what season you've been in, um, but... You know, I'm always surprised as you roll into new seasons, but my season this year for the last even six months has just been about trusting him at a whole new level, a whole new way. And um, sometimes you don't realize that you were put into a season you wish that if you had known, you know, six months ago, maybe you would have been a little more at peace. You know, you think it's just life and it's busyness. And uh, it's trying to keep up and, and do what you need to do to get through, you know, uh, and work and take care of your family and, and run the church and, and, and whatever your story is. But you don't realize that actually the Lord is, is, is allowing some, some pressure around you on purpose, not because he wants to uh, make you suffer, but because it causes you to look to him and to trust in him. And he will deal with the enemy. He will deal with that pressure. And, and you can read in his word, and if you've been following with us uh, through our Bible reading in Isaiah, you'll see that we've actually um, been looking at that story, right? He he, he will talk about how he's going to deal with the Israelites. He was going to deal with Israel because they had sinned. But then right on the, uh, the same chapter or the next chapter, he's like, but I'm going to deal with those that I use to deal with you, too. And that's God. That's just how it is. And sometimes I wish that if I had known I was going to be in a season, uh, you know, earlier, then I would have been a little more at peace and a little more trusting. And it's, it's always late, right? It's always later. But I just feel like he's just really... And, 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 and I, I can honestly say that uh, God has, like for Don and I, has met our needs, and we really haven't needed. It's, it's such a weird thing. It's like God has t completely taken care of us, and, uh, and, and life is good in this nation. Yet I felt like the Lord has not let me experience in my soul um, a settledness. Just to, uh, like, he won't let me relax. And, and one way we need to relax is we need to be in peace, like I just said. But he won't let me just put up the white picket fence and have the two and a half kids and let the dog run around and, and plan our next vacation. He's just not letting me do that. And I, and I believe it's spiritual, and it's kind of what I wanted just to talk about today for your Christmas. In this season of giving, 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 um, I went to the mall yesterday, and it wasn't late last-minute shopping. I could have shopped anytime, but we planned our dog to get groomed, so the mall was right there, and Dawn's like 3 o'clock on, 
on the Saturday before Christmas. They're predicting it to be worse than Black Friday, and it was. It was absolute insanity. But I had some time to kill uh, for her to be groomed next door at Petco, and uh, so we're over there. But, you know, I don't sense giving, though. I didn't sense a, a, a spirit of, of giving and of joy and of peace. You know, the whole white picket fence and the whole, like, facade of just, you know, just live your life and run, run, run it and do what you need to do and, and you know, to keep up with the Joneses and to get everything settled in and, and have a great life is not real. All of that is not real. God will meet your needs. He will take care of you. He is not going to purposely make you suffer. There are times that you will physically suffer. I promise you that is part of the kingdom of God. And it is not because God wants you to suffer. Sometimes you will mentally suffer. Times will be persecuted, physically, spiritually, mentally. And that's just part of walking with God as part of the kingdom of God. And it is not because God wants you to feel pain and to suffer, but it's because he loves you and he wants you to depend on him. And uh, if, we, if he were to leave us alone and just go, our human nature is what? Is just relax mode. Human nature is, is it's, and, and, and what's funny is that it's such a hustle and bustle in the world today. And yet with God, it's total, you know, back burner, relax mode. How ironic that they don't realize they're very relaxed about the things that matter. They're not relaxed about, I need to get this done, I need to be here, and I need to do this, and I have to shop. I have to get my list done, and I need to get it done as soon as possible. Or, I didn't get it done, and that's Saturday before for Christmas, and now I, gotta, I have to get this list done, because that's what you got to do, because it's Christmas, and this is what we do. We give gifts, and, and it becomes like this ritualistic run, 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 do, 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 go, go, go. And, and, and meanwhile, they're very, 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 the world is very, very, very relaxed, nonchalant casual, in fact, could care less about the things that really matter, the things of the kingdom of God. And it's not just eternal. This is where I want to bring it into this church. And we could blame, we could yell at the world all day in here, and then we'd go home and doesn't do anything. We're very aware of the world's condition. But you know, as the church and as Christians, we are in this world and it rubs off on us. And so we can be Christians and we don't have that same mentality, but you know, uh, we have things secured in one sense with Christ, our eternity, right? Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if it wasn't true, why would I tell you? And he's doing that for you, even present tense. I mean, uh, in, in one sense, it's outside of time, but I like to think of, you know, he's still working on it. He's still building it for you. It's still growing, you know, and, and you can think of it however you want. You can think of it instantly. Think of it as moment by moment. But anyway, the Lord is working on you, and he is establishing uh, a, a heavenly place for you. And one day, then he's going to bring that place here, and we're going to rule and reign with him for eternity. And that's amazing. And, and as Christians, many times that area is settled in us, but then we're not settled in the other areas with the Lord. Um, we're settled like the world is. We're not settled in the way that Jesus was, which is the things that matter and the things that really count. Sometimes we don't realize that just like the world, we get things right with Jesus in, 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 a, in a security way. 
call this an eternal security, in a, in a, in a Jesus-secured, heaven-punch-the-ticket kind of way, and then we revert back into our worldly nature, which is, okay, I got that settled, like it's checking something off of a list, and we go back into our human nature, back into the hustle and bustle, and then we just go back into the worldly grind of getting things done in our lives and doing this and doing that and go, 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 and we don't even realize I'm not here to condemn you. If I was to condemn someone, I condemn myself first. It's not in any way condemnation. This is a Christmas ser uh, sermon, by the way. <laughs> but I wanted just to talk to you about how Jesus gave his life, the greatest gift that was given of all time. John 3.16. I love how... You may know it in, in your uh, translation of um, for God so loved the world, but I love how it says in the NLT, it says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The greatest gift that was ever given, Jesus gave his life. God gave Jesus to us. And Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 17, the Father loves me. <laughs> this is not, I don't think we would say this. Lord, you love me because I sacrifice my life. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again he said verse 18 no one can take my life from me i sacrifice it voluntarily everybody say voluntarily. voluntarily he said for i have the authority to lay it down when i want and also to take it up again for this is what my father has commanded god gave his one and only son. Do we realize this gift that God gave us? I think the greatest uh, stumbling block for Christians is that we get used to Christianity. We get used to the gospel. The world doesn't want to hear it and they could care less. We care about it, but then we get used to it and it just becomes like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Right? Who's gotten through a week you didn't read your word. You didn't have any prayer. Don't, you don't have to raise your hands because I know you won't. <laughs> Got through your week and you realized, I really haven't spent a lot of time with the Lord. But you found time in those 24 hours of all seven days to do what you felt was important and necessary. I guarantee that out of those seven days, there weren't very many meals skipped. I guarantee out of those seven days that you barely deprived yourself of sleep unless it was for Netflix. It's funny, but it's true. The greatest gift I could give you as a pastor today for Christmas is to remind you that Jesus gave his gift to us of his own life and that we are not paying him back but we don't have to. Don't I don't exchange gifts 
because we have to. I don't give her a gift because she gave me a gift and she doesn't give me a gift because I gave her a gift, but because I love her and because she loves me. So we don't need to pay him back because you can't. But we are not uh, doing any service to him, to his gift. We're, not we're actually disrespecting it. We're actually trampling on his gift by just living for ourselves. Merry Christmas. When we receive Christ's gift for us of eternal life, there's an exchange. Everybody say, there's an exchange. There was an exchange of gifts. I'm going to say it again. I just said it, and I try to say it every week. Jesus loves you, and you can't earn his love. <laughs> you can't earn salvation. And yet, there was an exchange of gifts. Everybody say, an exchange of gifts. The Bible's clear that he gave his life, and we must give our lives back to him. We must. It's not rule and law and legalistic, and yet it's how it works. I can't put it into human words. If you try to break down that in your mind, it'll just become legalistic and law. It's a heart thing. It's a spirit thing. It's in the same way that I just described that if I gave Dawn a gift, it's because I want to give it to her, not because of obligation or because of something that she's done for me, but because I want to do that for her. And that is what the Lord is looking for in us. In fact, the greatest love that we can give him is not to sit down and say, okay, Lord, because you gave your life, I'm going to give you my life. Honestly, I'd rather you said that than not at all. But the greatest gift that you could give him is, I just love you because you're you. I just want to be near you because you're you. I just want to love you because I don't know what else there is. I've come to the place, Lord, where I realize that this air that I'm breathing, you made. And you didn't make it for me to go do what I want to do when I want to do it and how I want to do it. But you gave me this air with free will so that I, I can do that. But so that then I breathe this air and that you gave me and stand in this body that you put my spirit in and choose with my own heart to glorify you and to live for you and to please you. That is the gift that he wants from us. And if I can encourage you as a pastor to give to him. We don't merely just give him our lives, but we give him of our lives. At salvation, we give him our life. Lord, have my life. And then what begins to happen if you've truly given him your life and you truly love the Lord as he's commanded us, and really Jesus did command us, I don't want to live it by command, but he did command us. New Testament, post the cross, you know that there are commandments, right? Even if you were to say the law was abolished, and even if you were to say the Old Testament is null, it's void, even if you wanted to say that, Jesus still gave us two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And he said the second 
is like it, love others as yourself. When we give him our lives, we must also as Christians shift almost like into second gear, first gear. You know, you're just starting out and it's barely moving. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're just kind of idling along with the Lord. Everything's happy. You know, it's, it's amazing. You have the honeymoon stage with him. Jesus has done this amazing work in your heart and so on. But it's almost uh, like we're just idling with him. And we must shift into second gear with him and begin to give of our lives. If you only give him your life, but you don't give him of your life, you will find at the end of your life that you're empty. I'm not saying you won't go to heaven. I'm not saying that you, that's between really you and him for reward. I'm not here to tell you what your reward will and won't be in what heaven. I mean, he can, for if God wanted to, he could give heaven to someone in the world without ever saying yes to him. And that's up to him to do. That's not what my word says. But um, my point is, is that that's not my choice. That's not my decision for you. That's not for me to judge in your life. I'll just tell you what the word says. But, uh, Meanwhile, well, he gives us salvation, and that is secured in heaven. When you get to the end of your life, if you have not given him everything that you have, I promise you, you will be dissatisfied as you cross over. You will wish that you could have given him more. In fact, just in a worldly sense, they say that people on their deathbeds, when they ask them, what do you wish, what do you wish, you know, if you could go back, and they're like, I just, I wish I had... Not that I had gone and visited many more places and those things, but I wish I had, I had done more of the things that mattered. I wish I had slowed down and realized, I, I think I may even said this from the pulpit in the last year, but if not, it's something I had heard that this widow, <laughs> it's funny, it's not funny, but it's funny because she said the whole time you're with him, you know, you hate all the little things about him. And then but when he's gone, those are all the things that you wish you had back and that you love. And that the point is, is that once this life is taken from us, and it will be, guys, we have it, we're free in it, and even it's a good time in this nation, but it's not going to last forever. And if we don't use it, if we don't use this time, even this time of freedom that we have in this nation... But if we don't use this time that we have to the fullest, we're going to get to the end and we're going to wish that we had done some things differently. We're going to wish that we didn't nitpick all the little struggles and trials. We realized really that it was a blessing, some of the things in our lives, because it was the Lord uh, uh, pushing us to, to realize what things mattered, what counts. Sometimes those things that are in your life that are irritation, even people, uh, even times in your life and seasons are actually the greatest blessing in your life. It's a time to dig into the Lord, to rely on Him, to trust in Him, and actually make a choice to love those people, even love that season, uh, and to embrace it and let the Lord actually do something in you that's beyond you and bigger than you and you just don't understand. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real, life, real love, verse 10. Not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. I want to read that last line again. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. And where I want to turn in the sermon, hopefully I'm making a little bit of sense today on this Christmas sermon, but where I want to turn to a little bit is, and it's going to, it's hard for me. Sometimes I don't want to preach things because it's going to convict me. Some things that I want to preach because I'm like, well, it's not that I don't have, you know, any conviction in those areas, but I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm doing those things like your word says so I can preach it and I'm okay, but I'm going to turn and it's going to convict me a little bit because the question is, he says, we have to love each other. Who's he want us to love? Is it just right here and just in this room? Is it just our families? And that's going back to what I was saying, what I noticed at the mall, the running, the hustle and bustle is that, you know, there's no love in here. <laughs> no love in this mall. I'm sure they love their own, but you know what Jesus said? Even the world loves their own family. In fact, there was a, it's kind of a, a famous bad guy line, but it was in a movie and this Bad guy in the movie, he says, you know, even bad guys love their mama. You can go to the darkest, deepest prisons, and, you know, you meet the craziest people, and many times you find they still love their mother. Is that the love that Jesus wants us to have, though, when he says, I surely want you to love each other? Because if we really understand what he's talking about, the type of love that God gave us, what type of love did he give us? unconditional love. In fact, it says, while we were still sinners. Do you realize that? As I started, I've been mentioning that scripture these last couple of weeks. Even horrible people who have lived in this world, Jesus died with the potential for them to repent from their sins and turn to him. And many have and many didn't. That was their choice. And yet his, his sacrifice was equally there for them as it is here for us who have received it. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. And the Lord actually answers this question in the book of Luke chapter 10. He says in Luke chapter 10, we find this story. In verse 25, it says, One day an expert in religious law, he stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. He said, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love. And let's just read this together because this commandment, as I've just mentioned, still applies. This is a New Testament, post the cross, post the blood of Jesus, post Pentecost verse. Let's just read this out loud. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says in verse 28, right. <laughs> Do this, and you will live. 
Verse 29, the man wanted to justify his actions. Don't you love the word being so real? The word is so relevant. I hate when people say that I can't get into it. It's not relevant. It's, it's really partially because they can't help it. There is a spiritual blockage. But there's also just a stubbornness to let the word in and do its work. And it's so relevant. I'm, I'm, when I read this, this is so relevant to right here, right now. Because it says he wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Because we're going before the Lord. Lord, I did love you, and I loved my family so much. You don't see all that I did for my family. You don't see all the things that I did for them in my life. Jesus replied with a story. Don't you love when Jesus says, uh, let me tell you a story. I'm going to give you a picture. Jesus was good at giving us pictures. Because if he just gave us a black and white you know, answer to our not black and white question, then we could justify our way out of it with his answer. So Jesus talked in parables so that you couldn't justify your way out of it. You either had to believe it and listen to him or not. And he said, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road because he had things to do, and someone was texting him at that exact moment, and he had to answer it, no matter if he was at a red light or in traffic, because what does that matter? He's got to finish his text message, and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but also was late for soccer practice, so he passed him by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. You know, this word compassion, if you read through the red, if you read through Jesus' story, there's a moment, and I just shared this with someone this last week, but it always... Uh, I identify, I get the humanity of Jesus. I, get, I see how he was also a human being that did have to overcome his humanness. He loses his cousin John, John the Baptist, and he is broken. You know, Jesus was a human too. And he was sad. Jesus was sad. And he just wanted to be alone. Who wants to be alone, especially after you lose your, someone you love? And the crowds wouldn't leave him alone. And so he's like, get out of here. I lost my cousin Come on, can't you guys just give me five minutes to grieve? He didn't say that. Everybody's staring at me. I don't remember those verses. <laughs> he says, the, I'm sorry, the scripture says, he had compassion on them. He actually pushed aside even what we would consider as, I'm, you know, like it's one thing we point at the world, like all oh, the world, the world, the world, the world, but we're Christians. But even as Christians, you know, like this would be one of those areas would be like, well, you, you have the right to grieve. 
you have the right to have some time to yourself and have five minutes to yourself and, and, and you don't have to minister. And, and I, I just find this, that story about Jesus so amazing because what it really shows us is that you, what I've been preaching recently, you are not your own. It is not your life. It doesn't mean the Lord doesn't care. And then he did. After that, he does have time. He goes with the disciples, and, and in time, he is able to grieve. But that there was a need before him, and those people had an issue, and Jesus had the answer. And what I find in our lives is, if we don't stop and have compassion along the way, what you will find is that by the end of that week, and by the end of 2019, you haven't had compassion on anyone. Because there will always, 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 always. I'm not saying that the devil killed John so that Jesus would be distracted at this moment as if he foresaw it. But he knows he's working a plan too to stop what Jesus is trying to give the people. And he does not all knowing, but he knows in this moment, I think I, can, I might be able to stop compassion for this crowd and these people might walk away bitter and raise chi bitter children and bitter children that well I saw Jesus once and he didn't give me anything and he didn't do for me what I heard he did in other villages and 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 the Lord pushed aside his own human emotion pushed aside his flesh and gave of himself in that moment and and so I love this story so he says he felt compassion for him everybody say it wasn't convenient Compassion is not convenient. Everybody say, it's not ever convenient to give in the way that Jesus asked us to give. If you're giving in a way that's convenient of your time and of yourself, and, and it's, I'm not telling you to come here and check in, you know, I see you on Sunday and I see you on Tuesday, so you're good. You're giving yourself to the Lord. I'm talking about every day, everywhere you go, people, 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 people. That's the world we live in. It's never, ever, ever. And that's why I said it's convicting for me too, okay? I'm standing here the same way that you may be hearing it, which is, okay, Lord, if I'm going to preach this, I need to hear it. Because, I mean, even being pastor here, I know, I know for a fact that there are people I walked past because I was busy this year. I know that there are many things that I've just, I'm not even saying I'm going to sit down and name them in a list. Maybe I know some and some I don't. But I was so busy and so doing and so distracted that I didn't even stop to think about the person next to me. And it says that going over to him, verse 34, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Not only did he take the time, but you realize this cost something of him. I don't want this, has nothing to do with money. This sermon has zero to do with money. I'd rather you give zero dollars and you give your time to the Lord. It's much more important to him. That's the sacrifice he really wants is a heart and not your sacrifice anyway. But it costs something of him. If we don't give of ourselves as the priest does and the temple assistant does, Jesus will find someone that will. But the person in the meantime is also suffering. You realize until that moment, you realize he's still laying there. Everybody say he's still laying there. 
doesn't tell us the gap of time, but the person, it's not like, well, the, Lord's, well, the Lord will send somebody who has the, has the right resources. I don't ha I'm a priest. I don't have the resources. I don't have the olive oil and the bandages. I'll, someone else's gift, someone else's ability can help that person in that particular area. Or etc. Meanwhile, the person is suffering, but do you know also the priest missed out? You guys may not think so, but there's a reward in heaven. Everybody say there's a reward in heaven. We don't talk a lot about this in church, and I, like to, I don't like to major on it because I don't want you to come to Christ like he's a genie in a bottle. But it is a reality. For all of eternity, there are rewards. And imagine, I told you that if you won't eat for the day, I will give you the, the most amazing three-course meal you've ever had in your life, but you got to wait till dinner time. Some people won't wait. I can't. I can't wait. I can't eat. I can't live without food. Why does that sound so much like TJ? <laughs> you know it. It's true, though. But you know, our life, the Lord has an eternity. There's a reward. There's a, there's a gap of time from conception, not when you were conceived in your mother's womb, but conception where you became a new creation in Christ to death. There's a gap of time, and if we will give of ourselves in that time, there are its rewards beyond we can possibly imagine. And again, like I said, I don't like to major on the eternal rewards, but it is a reality of our lives. And so, I mean, that's not even what this story is about, but that's, that is something that we should consider, that the priest and the servant missed out. That the person is still in need regardless. There are people in need, and we should do it without any promise of reward. But meanwhile, there's also the promise of every time that you've given, the Lord is going to take care of you in ways you can't imagine. You may not even know how he's actually taking care of you by something that you've done or given, and you don't even realize the Lord doesn't even show you till eternity. That's because you gave or you did here. And then other times in your life, there might be a lack or, or even just emotional need that you should have given emotional love to somebody in your life, and now you, you reap and you sow. You give and you will receive. I'm not saying the Lord is doing it like sadistically to you, but it's just how it works. That's the universe we live in. What goes up must come down. And so back to the story, it says, he bandaged him, and then he put the man on his own donkey. Everybody say, he put him in his own Tesla. <laughs> and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. Yeah, but Lord, I don't know this person. And plus, they're probably a fake homeless person. You know they exist, Lord. Where did they get the Sharpie from and the cardboard? It's obviously fake. That's what you know you're all thinking that. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. Everybody say the next day. The giving kept giving. 
And he said, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, well, that's too bad because this is all I've got. I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Verse 36. I love this. I love when Jesus sums up his stories. Come on. Who loves our Lord? Isn't Jesus a cool dude? I mean, he's Lord. <laughs> but he's also funny. Jesus is also funny. Jesus knew how to get right to the heart. He would just, he just push away all the fluff. Let's just deal with the real thing going on here in your heart. And he says, now which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Is there really a question here, Jesus? Is this like a trick question? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go. Ready? Come on, guys. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord. I want to be convicted, Lord, by your word. We don't want to waste this life. And it's, oh, it's so much bigger. It's so much we, we just don't understand. We don't understand the gift we've been given. But if we understood the gift we've been given, we would never hold back. We just don't understand it. We still need a revelation. We still, to this day, right here in this church, I know you love him and you're going to heaven and you're going to be with him for eternity, but you still need a revelation. We just don't get what we've been given. Yes, now go and do the same. I had a dream one time. The Lord actually showed me in this dream two houses he actually showed me this beautiful, beautiful house. It was amazing. Just an amazing house, amazing property. And it was so uh, perfect in every way that I might build the perfect house on earth. And then he took me around the back of the house. And on the back of the house, the siding was rotted from top to bottom. And in fact, it wasn't just rotted. The beautiful yard that was in the front was now a swamp, as far as you could see. And the Lord spoke to me in my dream. He said, this is this man's house on earth, and this is his house in heaven. Now, you can take that or leave it. You don't have to believe it, but I thought it was, I mean, it's never left me. It's, it's been in, on my heart ever since. I'll never forget. And the picture, I believe, is valid by his word. And I just want to play a video for you. I just want you to watch this video probably about 15 years ago. The Lord actually brought this scene to my mind, and he said to me so clearly, another moment goes right along with the dream that I had that I'll never forget for life, and I was just reminded of it in this year, this season. He said, if you don't give everything you have in this life, that moment right there is what you're going to feel like when you stand before me in eternity. I just want to encourage you today. I want to bless you. I want to love you. I want to give, I hope, the greatest gift I could have given you today, which is reminding you of his gift, reminding you of the gift of Jesus, of his blood, of his, of his gift to us, and you can come, and that the greatest gift 
it says, Paul wrote in Acts, he says, I'm giving everything. It cost me this, it cost me that. And he said, but Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. And the greatest gift you can give is actually the gift of giving. The greatest gift is the gift of giving. Usually these sermons are with promise of overflowing and abundance, and I'm not going to tell you any of those things. I'm going to tell you purely because we want to please him and because we want to love him and because I know from the Spirit of the Lord you will regret it if you don't. In whatever way that is, I don't know what His resources are different than ours, but you have something inside you. You have time. You have abilities. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. You have been crafted for a purpose on this earth, and you can use it to please yourself, and you can use it even to love your own family, and there's nothing wrong with that on its in combination with what the Lord's truly asked us to do, but on its own, that could even be selfish and not selfless. And so I just encourage you, and I just want to bless you, I want to say Merry Christmas to you again. I love you. Dawn and I love you. And uh, just a couple of quick announcements, and then Annie will close us with a song. Uh, but we have no Bible study this week, so I just want you to enjoy your... That's Christmas Eve, by the way. Enjoy your Christmas Eve. And... Um, and have a Christmas with the Lord. Uh, take some time, remember him this week, and really begin to ask him for this coming year, Lord, what can I do? What is my life uh, able to, to be used for? And uh, don't ask him for easy, and don't ask him for convenient, because it just might cost you every last penny of your money or your energy or or your emotional love, or whatever it is that you give. But if, don't let it be, well, it was, this is, it just, I have peace in this, and it was comfortable in this, and don't let that be the answer, because that may not be the answer. It might, you might be at your very last breath. You are completely exhausted. You don't have anything else to give. You are completely distraught. And when I read my word about the apostles that followed after Jesus, that's exactly what their lives looked like at the end, giving, 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 giving of everything they had until there was nothing left. And I want to be just as convicted by that uh, sermon this year, into this year. And so I bless you and love you, and we'll see you next week.